Sometimes there's a person or people in our life that don't add value. In fact, we may feel worse after spending time with them. This is Leslin from Try This at Home, and today we're talking about toxic people. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. When your day goes south or your relationship gets salty, you need tools that will turn it around. With decades of experience and a variety of perspectives between them, Leslie Sleesman and Leslin Kantner bring you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating your best life. Together, they're sharing ideas you can take home and try. Each week, their discussion will zero in on one idea, one technique, or one activity that has the potential to make your life a little better. And now, here is Leslie and Leslin with Try This at Home. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Leslin. How are you today? I'm good. I'm getting over strep throat, so I'm very happy if I never get that ever again. It's miserable, and it's the time of year, so I'm glad you're feeling better. Yes, me too. So our conversation today is going to be about toxic people. Yeah, and I was thinking about this, and I have a whole page of questions to ask you. Great. You know, it's obviously it's something that comes up a lot in th- in uh, therapy practice. Mm-hmm. I think that number one, it's hard to identify sometimes what a toxic relationship looks like, and we often don't know that we're in a toxic relationship until we're sick, right? right. Or that we we feel so bad that we realize we've been eating a little bit of the poison for a very long time. So I hope to clear a lot of that up today. Yeah, and to me, saying that someone is toxic sounds really harsh. And so my people-pleasing tendency is to not want to label people or relationships as toxic. Yeah, and, you know, it does feel pretty negative. I think that when especially for people who are people-pleasing personalities, we have a tendency to really bypass a lot of the kind of faults that create toxicity in our effort to please, uh, which is oftentimes the thing that toxic people rely on. Okay, so how do you define a toxic person? So toxic people are manipulative, Mm-hmm. They're judgmental. They don't ask about you ever. They don't apologize. They don't accept personal responsibility for their behavior or their actions. Often they will ask you to choose or to make choices that include them. So they will um, somehow indicate that if you spend time with someone else, you're excluding them. Okay. And they they might say something like, well, if you loved me, you would blah, okay. blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, and often toxic people are inconsistent, which means their toxicity is inconsistent. Uh, and that makes it sometimes difficult to identify. Yeah. Um, that To me, that is the moving target aspect of it mm-hmm. is what's really confusing because... I'll get in my head, I think this person is someone that I need to not spend time with. And then there'll be like a good stretch and nothing, you know, toxic will come up. Mm -hmm. And then it'll happen again. And Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, 
you feel pulled, like you don't know which way to go. Yeah. Probably the easiest way to identify whether or not someone is toxic for you is to pay very close attention to how you feel when or right after you've spent time with that person. If you find yourself constantly defending who you are or what you like or why you're doing something, that doesn't feel very good. And you and you may walk away from that person um, feeling like you aren't enough, mm-hmm. feeling like um, no matter what you do, it, it's not satisfying. Um, that would be an example of a toxic relationship. Is there one characteristic of, uh, you gave us a list, but is there one characteristic that you think is sort of the red flag more than any others? Or are they do they appear you know, pretty much with the same consistency? I think it's different for different people, right? I think the barometer is how do I feel when I'm engaged with this individual? If I don't feel empowered or um, if I don't feel um, like I have the ability to be authentic or if I feel constantly defensive, those are indicators that the relationship isn't healthy for you. And I think that might be an important point. Not everybody responds to toxicity in the same way, right? Mm -hmm. I have a friend who can't eat any seafood. I can eat all kinds of seafood. um, So a person may be toxic to someone with a weakened self-esteem, whereas someone with a strong Mm self-esteem may not be impacted by that individual at all. That's really interesting. I had never thought about that before. Yeah, so toxicity can be kind of um, individual. A lot of people um, will impact a lot of people, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's the toxicity is very individual. So the example that keeps popping up in my head that um, I have personal experience with is almost a year ago, um, I identified someone as a toxic person and ended the friendship with them. Um, A lot of the things that, you know, in your list, I felt were happening. But um, the hard part for me, and this is where I, I still think back on that and wonder if I made the right decision, was that this person didn't start out toxic. And As a matter of fact, we had a really good relationship for many, 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 many years. But they became toxic when they were going through a difficult time in their own life to me. And that was hard for me to to feel okay about pulling out, like pulling out of the relationship with them because I felt like I was abandoning them in their time of need. But their time of need was stretching on years and years and I just was feeling very like an afterthought and and that person would never ask me how I was doing. And so ultimately it was happening with other people, kind of like you said, like, a you know, some other friends had also identified this person as being toxic. And so kind of together we gave each other the, the power or the momentum to kind of pull the cord finally. But it, it was weird because it just, it, it was clear to me that the difficult time that they were going through was sort of poisoning them. So that's a really, really good point. And I think that it might be important to distinguish that we're all pretty good at 
identifying the master manipulators, the right. real arrogant, narcissistic kind of people that cannot empower really anybody in their circle, mm-hmm. oftentimes because it disempowers them, right? I think for the purpose of this conversation, the toxic people that, that we're talking about are really more like what you described, those those individuals who maybe eat too much of their own poison and then contaminate those right. in their environment. My experience is that most of us don't wake up in the morning and make a decision that we're going to be toxic. Right. Often the toxicity um, is kind of the negativity that builds because of um, a life change or the, some kind of pain that an individual is experiencing themselves, right? Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, that can happen for all kinds of reasons. That somebody can have major health issues or loved one with major health issues, um, a loss, a job change, somebody getting fired, somebody moving into a toxic uh, work environment, maybe. Maybe they have a boss who... Um, is incredibly critical and over time this person kind of becomes contaminated and starts bringing that stuff home. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate when that happens, but if the individual is slowly getting poisoned themselves and they don't have the individual self-awareness to understand that and limit their own toxicity, then what, I mean, what else would happen, right? Or the unwillingness to right. take care of the issue even if they know it's an issue. Yes. And I well and I think it's it's very challenging, right? To yeah. uh, let's so let's say that you are in a marriage yeah. and um in that marriage something happens. Maybe um your husband loses his job and he enters into this long period of depression or shame-induced frustration coping with that day after day. So he his life uh, circumstances created kind of a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. He's not maybe in an emotional place where he's open to hearing it or willing to change it. Right. And so now you're in a marriage that's become kind of a cesspool of, of negative emotions. Yeah. And making a decision to shift away from that can be and that's going to be life-changing for you. So it, sure. it can be very challenging. So when I had decided that this person, in in my example, in my experience, was toxic, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do a test. I'm going to, starting right now, kind of see how long it takes for that person to ask about my day or my needs or, you know, just kind of shift the focus away from themselves and onto me for a little bit. Um, and I, I made that decision, but then I felt very guilty because I almost felt like every conversation that we had or every interaction where they didn't ask about me, I was like, oh, see, there it is. There it is again. It almost felt like it started to feel like I was rooting kind of against them or I was being conniving um, and I, I didn't know any other way to test it other than to do what I was doing, but I did not feel very good about it when it was happening. 
It's interesting that you use that example because on one hand, what I'm hearing is that you really wanted to validate how you thought you felt before you terminated a friendship, which I think is a compassionate thing to do, right? That's a, yeah. a self-evaluative um, behavior. Right. On the other hand, it is kind of setting the person up for failure, Yeah. right? If you think this is going on and you're just waiting to prove it, um, that does that does speak a little bit to maybe a, a, um, a dysfunctional communicative yeah. um, style. I tried to, I tried, I, I would not say that I was perfect in this at all, but I tried to, as, as much as I was seeking out these little instances where they were validating me, I also tried to give them credit for the smallest thing you know so I'm like okay that's one point for them one point for me I mean I I definitely feel like I was keeping score but the only way I knew to do it was to try to just be really have a broad definition where they could succeed in this game I I guess I think that's very um what do I want to say I think that's it's good that you're able to look at that in retrospect and with um some conscious intent about your own behavior. Mm-hmm. If we think about how we feel in toxic relationships, we're emotionally affected by the drama of a toxic relationship. Again, the negativity mm-hmm. or the hysteria that's happening in that person's life can be very challenging to listen to on a repeated basis. Right. Um, consequently, we will often fear or dread being around them because we're not sure how much more we can take. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might be exhausted after listening. Um, you know, uh, I have, um, I think that when Harlan was sick, I was um, somewhat traumatized by that, right? Mm-hmm. There's, when when you see someone, I, I used to say that it was like watching him evaporate. Right. And that can be rather traumatizing when it's someone you love. And right. I'm sure that, I had a lot of derogatory energy about that. And so when I leaned on my support system, it was I'm sure it was emotionally exhaustive for them. And as much as you want to be there for someone, mm-hmm. there is a point at which you need to protect yourself as well. Yeah. And that is just so, so difficult for someone like me who has these people-pleasing tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I fight against having to do anything that causes friction or displeases someone. I mean, that's, I don't know. Sometimes I think of it as a good trait and sometimes I think of it as a really bad one. <laughs> but I think we can we can tie that back, back into the self-care episode that we had two weeks ago, right? Yeah. That it we have to be willing to step back and recharge so that we can please the people that we're working to please with. And while I'm at it, I thought I wanted to just add a quick note about Mm self-care. I had a client um, come in last week who was facing some really extenuating, challenging circumstances in her life. And she said, you know, I'm really good at self-care. I'm so surprised that it's not working for me. Mm. And in reality, when our... Um, circumstances become extremely stressful, our self-care has to escalate to the same proportion that the stress is escalating. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I just wanted to make that point. Yeah, that's good. Before we go on. But it's dealing with toxic people is probably um, all about self-care, particularly with respect to setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. So is there a time when you would allow a formerly toxic person back into your life? And I say that with a little asterisk because that is assuming that that person even wants to be in a relationship with you again, because I'm sure there are a ton of hurt feelings and possibly feelings of abandonment that have occurred because of, you know, setting yourself apart from them. Yes. Yeah, so um, yeah, the answer is a simple yes. But in order for that to happen, the things that created the toxicity in the first place have to have been addressed. Right. Right. So it doesn't make any sense to just go back to being poisoned. Right. Right. It, the, um, there has to have been a, an event or some effort to reduce the level of toxicity that's now going to be a part of the relationship. So let's say your friend's stressors have been resolved and she's been able to be introspective and she comes and she says, I'm really sorry that I wasn't better at communicating when all of that was going on. And then you can say, you know what, I, me too. I didn't, I didn't really know how to address that with you. And you make a resolve to, speak more frankly or have a more open and honest discussions in the event that something like that happens again, then I think it's perfectly fine to reinvite or reinitiate a relationship. Okay. So when you think you've identified a toxic person, you don't just want to go around cutting people out of your life at the smallest infraction. Like, oh, they, you know, here's the list of toxic behaviors here. They did one of them. Boom, they're gone. Right. Yeah. So how do you navigate that? So I think it's, first of all, communication, first and foremost, right? Mm -hmm. I think being able to go to somebody and say, I notice that I'm feeling feeling really defensive every time we hang out. And maybe it's because all you've done is talk about, I won't say all you've done, but maybe a big part of our conversations has been about how much you hate the school system and you're so glad you put your kids in private school and you know that they're getting a much better education (laughs) and all along I'm sitting there going well crap my kids are in public school (laughs) yeah you know and I'm starting to feel like I'm like I'm not good enough that's not what you're saying to me no right all you're doing is touting the benefits of private school it's my insecurity about maybe not being a good mom or mm-hmm. any any questions I had about public school, those are all now coming to the surface. So the first thing you need to do is recognize what's happening for you. So maybe I'm feeling very judged at that moment because mm-hmm. my kids are in private school. I have to validate, is, is my friend judging me or is she really just expressing what works for her? Right. So I might say I'm feeling really judged right now. With a, with a little bit of humor in that, sure, right? right. To find out, and maybe she just says, oh, no, I'm not judging you at all. And then that right. kind of settles that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I don't do that, I might go home and sit back and think, that woman, blah, you know, and, yeah. and now I'm going to start feeling resentful. And then the next time it happens or the next time it happens, 
Uh, and we all have friends that are maybe a little bit more successful than us, mm-hmm. or perhaps we're more successful than some of our friends. And we we get caught up in sharing the things that we're passionate about without necessarily considering that this might be a sensitive topic sure. for that person. Yeah. Now, it's also very challenging when, so I had a client once who was, had started a new job and her boss was very critical and very micromanaging. And after about a year in that position, my client was a nervous wreck. Mm. She didn't feel like she could approach her boss with this information, but her quality of life had um, diminished considerably. And the anxiety really, the choice at that point is, do I stop working? I can't, and I can't stop working. A lot yeah. of people can't just stop working. They don't, sure. you know, jobs aren't uh, available everywhere you look. So then it becomes about setting very clear boundaries. Mm-hmm. Again, communication is the first strand. But if it's, if you can't do that, then you must limit your time with these people. Right. Limit the amount of direct interaction that you have. Make sure that you are taking good care of yourself. Going, you know, the, she had to make sure she got enough sleep. She had to make sure that she was experiencing joy in other areas of her life so that when she went into work, she didn't have kind of a weakened response system, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. So it, I would imagine that limiting your time is important with family because you often can't just completely stop interacting with them. Yeah, so let's say you've had a, a really contentious relationship with um, maybe a brother or sister-in-law who parents very differently than you do. And now you're all gathering together for a holiday (laughs) and you feel like they're going, you know, they're really judging you or they're going to say something passive aggressive or sarcastic. Just keep your distance. Mm -hmm. Really try to limit, you know, that might not be a family member that you socially engage with. And in these instances, it's very, very important to pick your battles. Mm-hmm. If you know you're not going to uh, see eye to eye, don't try to. Right? right? right. Don't right. don't challenge this individual to try to adopt a more favorable attitude. Um, because, again, if somebody's not willing or open to being introspective, then you're not going to um, change them. Right. right, convince them otherwise, yeah. I think it's important to remember also not to let anybody limit your joy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're responsible. We're all individually responsible for the um, production of joy in our lives. Yeah. And if I um, engage or allow someone else to impact me in that way, then I'm I'm really releasing any power I have which subconsciously is going to produce a feeling of helplessness, which is going to be a big part of why you walk away from that engagement feeling awful. Right. Right. Your joy is yours. No one can rob that from you if you don't allow that. Yeah, that's good advice. So it's important to remember at the end of the day that you can love people Mm -hmm. and let go of them. Yeah. Um, But keeping the door open on your terms so for whatever whatever 
for whenever that they are ready to treat you with love, respect, and kindness. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have to accept anything other than that. And it's probably one of the hardest lessons, um, but one of the most life-giving and courageous lessons that we can learn. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to stand up and say, I do not deserve this kind of treatment. Yeah. Um, But you are always so very deserving of that. Okay, so what do we want people to try at home this week? So this week, what we're hoping everybody is going to try at home is to identify toxic relationships and set boundaries. Coping with toxic people can be really difficult, and sometimes it can get worse before it gets better. So we've added a tip sheet uh, for you on the website to print and uh, keep in a handy place in case someone in your life is toxic. Uh, And if the only thing that you can do is keep your distance, then start there and work on building boundaries. Now, we are going to have a podcast about boundary building in the very near future. So stay tuned for that. That may be able to give you some clarity if you find that there's somebody in your life that's toxic. Or if you're reading the tip sheet and think that you might be a toxic person. Yes. Well, then self-awareness is going to be super important for you. And, you know, it's always, always beneficial to go in with um, and talk to a mental health professional with concerns like that. Yeah. So today and always, we are super grateful that you took time to listen. And next week... We will be talking about when to give up, and we can carry on some of this conversation in that discussion. And we'll hope you'll join us then. Of course, you can find all of our podcasts and connect with us on www.trythisathomepodcast.com, where we hope you'll subscribe to our feed. And you can also find us on the iTunes store, where you can let everyone know what you thought of Try This at Home by providing a rating. This is Leslie and Leslyn suggesting you try this at home. All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.